There has been a significant increase in maritime traffic over the last couple of decades as supply chains become more and more robust. There has also been a parallel rise in piracy around the world. GPS has been an important technology managing ships and their locations. But emerging technologies are not just facilitating higher traffic on the seas. They are aiding piracy with capabilities like GPS spoofing. On this episode of WMD, I'm joined by my student Alex Kemble, a cybersecurity major and ship technician, who's going to talk with me about the impact of GPS spoofing on the maritime industry. Alex, welcome to WMD. Thanks for having me. So tell our listeners a little bit about your background. Uh, so after my first three years here at York College, I spent the next three years in the Florida Keys working as a marine technician. And uh, as a technician, sometimes you have to go out on these vessels and spend large amounts of time out in the water and you're... Okay life is reliant on those systems. Um, and so part of the reason that you left for, for our listeners was because you you were in the middle of the pandemic. And so that got pretty stressful. And if you're out on the high seas and all of school is being conducted over Zoom, you can't really continue to, to, to be in school, right? Correct. Yeah, COVID played a big role in that. And so how did you, dis have you always been interested in ships? How did you wind up in the maritime industry? Um, I've always been interested in mechanics and okay. technological things as well. Um, and my experience with cars and uh, mm -hmm. heavy equipment was easily transferable into into that industry. And I saw a good opportunity to step into it. And certainly being out in the Florida sun <laughs> during the pandemic would have been an attractive option compared to locked up in a dorm room here at campus. <laughs> Definitely enjoyable. Okay. So what kind of things did you do on ships? What kind you, did you, you got involved in electronics somehow? Uh, yeah. So a lot of the systems on bigger ships are all linked together through like a backbone that ties all of the incoming signals together and can display them on the, the right. screens for the pilots to be able to monitor everything at one time. Yeah, so one of the things that we always talk about when you guys start your senior thesis is pick something you're super interested in and we'll find the cybersecurity angle. But we didn't have to look very hard for a cybersecurity angle for you, did we? We did not. Cybersecurity is one of those things that's easily applicable to a lot of different walks of life. Yes, yeah, certainly for shipboard industries, right? <laughs> yeah. And when you were on the ship, did you, is that when you first began to recognize that your cybersecurity degree could translate to this industry? Um, yeah, and it, it's a little nerve wracking when you're out in the middle of the ocean and you can't see land or even lights or any right. other signal of human life. And you know that you're relying on these systems and their accuracy to Yes. Get you back home in time. Yeah, you, you would definitely become really aware of the fact that this data that's moving through these computers on your ship, your life depends on that. And you can't even, you don't even really have any means to verify what it's saying. Well, I guess you could verify it with a sextant. Do you know how to use a sextant for navigation? I'm just curious. Um, marginally. Marginally. Okay. <laughs> did they teach you that when you're on the ship? They did not. <laughs> <laughs> so you taught yourself. Uh, just... And in my research, I mm -hmm. noticed a few little things about it, but 
I don't know as much as I need to mm -hmm. to be able to accurately use it. Was there anyone on the um, crew when you were on ship that knew how to navigate via the stars and a sextant? Or was that Not something that, that is a skill that people have sort of lost because they have these systems and they trust that the systems are going to work? I think that there probably are still some people out there that are aware of them, but it's not very commonplace yeah, to have a few old sea dogs board. or salts, right? right. Old salts. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, how, what kind of things did you discover that, um, how did you decide on GPS spoofing? How did you even know about it? What, what got you interested in this topic? Um, because you, you knew right away what you wanted to do for your research. I'm not really sure how I landed there, but just combining my studies here at your college with uh -huh. cybersecurity with what I've been doing for the past three years. Okay. And that seemed like natural inter intersection. Yeah. And what was funny was when, as soon as you told me about it, I had recently read an article in the New York times where it was talking about piracy and using, it didn't actually use the term GPS spoofing. I don't think in the article that I was reading, but it was talking about, um, hacking the position, the global positioning. I guess it did. It didn't use call you call it GPS spoofing, but it did talk about hacking the, the uh, navigational systems on board ships and sending the ships to wrong locations in order to facilitate theft of the cargo, which is right. Piracy. That's, but that's some pretty high tech piracy. Yeah, it is. And one of the scariest things is, uh, one of those, uh, there was a study done by students at a university that built a spoofing device uh -huh. and used it on a ship that the crew on board it knows that they're being spoofed. Okay, so they, the crew test. participated in the experiment is what you're telling me. And the crew, as they're looking at their systems, the systems are all saying we're tracking in a straight line. We're on course. We're going where we need to go. But when they turn around and look at the bubbles in the water coming up behind them, you could see the arch in the trail behind them. Which suggested the ship was turning. So despite right. what the systems were telling them, their physical sensation and their physical observations contradicted the systems. And you can see the obvious discrepancies that the machines can't tell at all. Right. And so this is what we consider a classic man in the middle attack, right? The systems, the software goes into the middle of the systems. And so on one end is the data that's coming in. On the other is the data that's coming out. And in the middle, it's getting con confused. And then that manipulates the people driving the ship. Now, fortunately, there was something pretty blatantly obvious about what was going. But if this happened in the middle of the night while people were sleeping or nobody was looking off the bow to see what was happening, this could easily lead you off course, right? And that's why we have a night watch, but that's not a perfect system. And <laughs> right. <laughs> is there a way to override this when it happens, though, I guess is the question. Uh, there are technologies to combat it and to provide an extra layer of authentication mm -hmm. in that middle ground. But we haven't perfected that yet. And we are yeah. still vulnerable. So the GPS spoofing was not just impacting where people thought they were so so had the this this hack that the students had done where they were spoofing the gps was the gps being used to um drive the ship is that what was going on uh, i don't think it was autopilot in that case but there are new cases of uh ships that are fully autonomous and they right. fully rely on these gps systems to get them where they're going and there is nobody on board to be that night watcher mm -hmm. to tell them that the system and physical reality are not not right. the same. 
And so you bring up a really good point. One of the things we're, we're experimenting with nowadays is this concept of driverless cars, but ships, it's been pretty easy to, um, they've probably been on autopilot for a very long time, just like airplanes have been on autopilot for a very long time. The traffic is a little bit further dispersed out there. Right. And so as long as you're not in a high congestion area, it would be very easy to advance driverless autonomous vehicles. And when that intersects with with the uh, the GPS for the navigational systems as it would have to, right? Because the navigational systems are going to tell you where you are and uh, with respect to where you're headed. And so it let's could easily be transferred to the, the automotive industry, which is used by a lot more mm -hmm. people in everyday life and is a lot more constrained. And it might be a matter of inches of this car hitting this car or staying in its lane and being where it needs to be. Right. And and so GPS spoofing, while it might be highlighted by the maritime industry, because that's where people are beginning to hijack signals in order to redirect the vehicle, that same a type of attack could be used in any other transportation vehicle. In the future, I think it, it definitely could be. And I think right now it's mainly towards the maritime industry because it's, it is going to be a lot harder to detect. You have a lot less frame of reference to tell where you're actually headed. Right. When you're in the middle of the ocean and all you see is the horizon line <laughs> and the sun. It's, it's <laughs> I mean, you can tell with the sun a little bit, but. It's, yeah. Not at noon though, right? <laughs> you don't exactly have a yellow and a white line on either side of you. Right. Yeah. No, your, your computer vision is going to be less, less <laughs> useful. All right. So let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and finish up our conversation. So I'm here talking with Alex Kemble, one of my students in cybersecurity here at your college. So let's talk about piracy. Do you know anybody who's encountered pirates when you were, I mean, you, you right, you were out on ships. You must've been meeting crews. You've, we've talked about autonomous ships. What kind of crews are on board autonomous ships? Let's, let's chat about some of these different things. Um, well, I think the large shipping vessels that have. Right. Big cargo, big cargo, big cargo ships. Um, yeah. Probably have a much smaller crew than what, what we think what you would expect. Right. Um, Smaller than the days of the pirate ships, right? Yeah, you don't need someone to row the boat anymore. You have massive engine. Yeah, what's a typical what's a typical crew size? I don't even know. Maybe fifteen to twenty people for a three hundred meter vessel. Wow, so that's and 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 really most of us when we crew. picture when we picture a ship out at sea, we're picturing naval vessels which have far more than fifteen people on board. Right, they have the whole. You're right. The whole they have the on navy board. on board. <laughs> <laughs> and the Marines usually do both. And so when we think about these big, huge ships out at sea, we just, certainly my bias, my past past knowledge would suggest there's a huge crew. 15 people is not a lot of people. It's not. And so what are some of the roles that these people fill? Um, well, a lot of the roles are simply taken by technology. Uh -huh. And we have a captain and a uh, someone else to take over watch when he's asleep but mm -hmm. a lot of the roles are is there a big it staff on board ships though <laughs> not i'm just curious not a lot no and I mean, is the maintenance of the ship's technology done via via the network or like do you have people who are remoting into your systems to maintain them or is this something that is sort of a developing aspect of the maritime industry as these ships are built they have the technology that's on them 
at the time and it doesn't get updated all that often. So you don't have like, like here we have at the college, the LTS, which is full of students who rotate in and out on shifts. And we've usually got at least two to three students that are available to run the computers. We just don't have that. That And, because- and that's interesting because you have so many systems, right? The first thing that I assumed when you told me is that we're full of these computer systems is, okay, well, then there must be IT positions in the crew. I think we have an expected reliability and we expect them to work the way that they're supposed to because- for the most part, they do. Uh-huh. But then when we do run into these issues, there's not a lot of ways to combat them. Right. And when you were out at, sh- at sea, were you, what, what you, were you were just doing mechanical stuff or were you also working on computers while you were out there? I was mostly in the mechanical side, making uh-huh. sure the engine is doing what the engine needs to be doing. <laughs> right. And, and nowadays, does the engine do what the engine needs to do purely on mechanical stuff or is it computer driven as well? Uh, it is. A lot of mechanical, but it does also have a a computer-driven component as well. Uh It'll control the throttles and it'll control the... uh, Right, because that's what would communicate from the the helm, the, the, what do you call that? Yeah, the helm. The helm to the the engine, right? When they make changes on on the control board. Yep, they used to be a lot more physical cables to go Mm -hmm. from the throttle to the throttle on the engine, but now it's fly-by-wire, everything is digital. Okay. Interesting. And and yet the staffing of these vessels has not caught up, it sounds like. Not entirely. Because there's not an active need for them okay. until something happens. Right. <laughs> right. We don't need right. We don't need somebody to fix it until it's broken. And so if it's working, and on the other hand, as you pointed out, what you began to be aware of when you were out there was if something was going wrong, there might not be expertise on there to recognize that that was happening. Correct. And so this is this is an example of an industry like so many other industries where computers have just popped up and we've said, oh, we could put a computer here and we can put a computer here and we can put a sensor over there and, and all of this stuff will go to my laptop or my smartphone and I can drive everything from wherever I am on the golf course. and Without pausing to think of the implications of what adding all that technology is going to bring along with it. Yeah. And and on top of that, when people are immersed in an operational world, as most of the folks on a crew on a ship are going to be, they're going to be operational types. They look at IT as as some sort of supporting capability. And and one of the things that we talk about in class all the time is that the nature of cybersecurity is such that it is a critical aspect of operations. It's not just risk mitigation that you decide how much you're going to invest in at the at the bureaucratic um, staff, you know, like the HR kind of level. That's because HR is also part of operations. You don't do HR correctly. You're not going to have the right people out there on your crew. And I think there's a dangerous overlap there. We've been having ships in the water for centuries. And yes. We're, they have worked without these right. systems. And so we employ the systems and now we're fully reliant on them. We think, oh, we can we can still do but, it about but it. we don't but it's a lot more right. difficult. Yeah. In fact, the older the industry is, the more likely we are to have a mental picture of it as it was rather than as it is. 
I would agree with that. Yeah, that's and that's that's the kind of things that we talk about. But I had never thought about right. And we joke in the military all the time about it's you know it's two hundred years of history unimpeded by progress. <laughs> And growing rapidly, <laughs> and but and, and so what you've got is this cultural mismatch. We have we have a class here. We call it cyber insecurity culture. And and the older the culture, the more physically natured and terrestrially spaced culture. It's going to be harder to grasp what you've done when you've entered virtual space and virtual terrain. Yeah, and so this was just a really interesting project when you when you proposed this. I really liked it. So what would you like to leave our listeners with here, Alex? Um, Last thoughts. <laughs> I think that we should put a lot more effort and thought into the implications of what we are doing and what it's going to bring along with it, especially with all this new technology and the dawn of mm -hmm. artificial intelligence. And there's going to be a lot coming out that's going to be able to process itself yeah. a lot faster than we can process it. In fact, to those of you who are listening out there who know someone in the maritime industry, you should be suggesting to them that they create job opportunities for people like Alex here, who has both shipboard knowledge and is going to have a cybersecurity background. So he is going to be the kind of person who could fill these jobs as the industry begins to recognize that they have a need for you, right? For more than just your your ability to turn the wrench and fix the fix the system the physical systems, right? Hopefully that'll be recognized in my in the future. <laughs> That's what we're hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we um went well, first of all, when you get into the ocean, you're definitely off the ordinary map because there's not a lot of lines on <laughs> on there other than the imaginary ones that we consider latitude and longitude to be. Um and you're probably not canoeing through the mountains out there. So I'm going to suggest that you stay in your boat this week and not get out <laughs> and walk. But Maybe the point off, being, I can get a little sunshine. <laughs> might, might not be just the time to get out, lace up your boots and use your paddle as a walking stick. But definitely think twice before you trust what your GPS is telling you regarding your navigation. We'll talk to you next time on WMD. Thank you for listening to WMD, Weapons of Mass Disruption podcast. This podcast is produced by Dr. Tamara Schwartz and edited by me, Chris Perez. All rights reserved to Dr. Tamara Schwartz, and you may access this podcast free of charge on any of your preferred platforms or by visiting us at lamrai.com. That is L-L-A-M-R-A-I.com.